Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Obviously, we did not get a midstream read-in. A lot of news this week, jam-packed. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. This rip of RHR is brought to you by good friends at Unchained Capital. Uh, they are building financial services products uh, with a security-first mindset for Bitcoiners revolving all around multi-sig. Uh, they actually have a white-glove concierge service uh, that will take you from zero to a multi-sig vault uh, with somebody holding your hand along the way. So the way it's, it works, you it's a $1,500 package. If you tell them CFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off. Uh, you're going to have multiple video conference calls with the Unchained team. They're going to answer any questions you may have about uh, multi-sig, uh, how to interact with Unchained, how uh, multi-sig quorum works, how you can sign transactions, any questions you may have. They're going to walk you through it. They're going to consult you through it. Again, multiple video conference calls. On top of that, if you need them, they're going to send you uh, the hardware wallets that will produce the keys in the multi-sig quorum. Uh, they will help you set that up step-by-step step as well. And uh, then they're going to dump $1,000 worth of Bitcoin into your vault. So you're going to go from zero to a vault with $1,000 in it uh, with the white glove concierge service from Unchained Capital. Uh, they're working on a bunch of open source technology, including Caravan, which is an open source implementation of their multi-sig quorum. So if you don't want Unchained involved at all in the multi-sig, you can set that up yourself if you're a more advanced user. Uh, on top of that, they have their collateralized loan program and they're rolling out an OTC desk that's adding more states, that seems, by the week. So if you are a high net worth individual out there looking to buy Bitcoin in bulk, uh, Unchained Capital has an OTC desk for you. Check and make sure that your state uh, has Unchained services available, their OTC desk services specifically. Uh, we're going to link to the concierge service in the show notes, but if you want to check out everything they're doing, go to www.unchained-capital.com. It's www.unchained-capital.com. This rip's also brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. You should know all about them, but if you don't know about them, let me tell you about them. You got to learn about them. The Cash App's helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 sats because they allow you to make sats the standard within the app. Uh, again, you're not buying fractions of Bitcoins. You're stacking whole stats. On top of that, they're allowing you to DCA into sats. So if you want to set it and forget it, either daily, weekly, or bi-weekly, you can set that up in the app. So you're just stacking sats in the background. You have that peace of mind knowing they're getting constant exposure to Bitcoin. On top of that, they have Cash App Investing, which lets you invest in slivers of stonks. You can stack slivers of stonks now on the Cash App as well, if you so please. I know a lot of you guys don't like the stonk market, but the optionality is there via the Cash App. If your favorite stonk's a little too expensive, uh, you can invest as little as $1 via Cash App Investing. Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square member SIPC. And because all this is connected to your bank account, there's no four to five day waiting period to start stacking sats or slivers of stonks today. Uh, on top of that, they have the incredible boost program, and they're always rolling out uh, a bunch of other stuff. You can, Cash App may even be your bank account. They have account numbers and routing numbers for individuals who want to get their deposit, uh, excuse me, paychecks direct deposited into the app. So, as always, uh, if you haven't downloaded the app yet, make sure you go do so. When you do, use the code stacking sats. That's S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get ten dollars, and ten dollars going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Enjoy this rip.
You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. We got we got a lot to get through here, freaks. This is uh, Matt's trying to do a bottle cork pop. I, I heard it. I heard it. I have a super old bottle of Glenlivet, so it's not making the pop noise. But I just opened it for uh, this is. Uh, there. I think I got it. A very interesting day to start sober October for your boy. I'm going to attempt to make it to uh, the night of the 31st before I imbibe alcohol. Uh, wish me luck, freaks. Same. <laughs> big day big day matthew i guess we should just jump into the news of the day let's not even powwow um shoot the shit here to start because we've got a tight close around f- 5 15 p.m 5 30 p.m and no a lot one of knows what that means that's this, like an hour and 15 minutes we have yeah uh, an hour and a half almost and uh long list with a lot of big topics the biggest of which we're going to start out with because it is breaking news. Uh, today, the Department of Justice announced that the CFTC, in conjunction with a couple other alphabet soup agencies, including the FBI, have uh, charged BitMEX uh, with, uh, I guess, an indictment. I don't even know exactly what, but uh, for skating uh, KYC AML compliance uh, in the past, having allowed U.S. users uh, to access their derivatives platform without KYC, uh, KYCing them. This is big news. It was a double shot. Uh, and the they actually arrested the CTO Samuel Reed in Boston today, so he is currently in custody. I imagine he'll get CTO out. CTO and co-founder. I imagine he'll get out uh, uh, on bail at some point in the next week or so. Uh, but yeah, we've been talking about this on this podcast, particularly for some time. The the risk of the U.S. government attacking uh, BitMEX has always been there, and today seems today that they, they're they taking their punch. What are your initial thoughts, Matt? So first, uh, hoping for the best for Sam Reed. Uh, he was he was in Massachusetts when this all went down, so they arrested him there. Um, he's not only the CTO, but he's also one of the co-founders. Um, so, so BitMEX was definitely, you know, partially his baby as well even though arthur is arthur hayes is the most you know prominent one there this was a double shot so it wasn't just like a partnership between the doj and the cftc it was they both separately filed charges against bitmex for different things so cftc hit them with anti-money laundering violations violations right mostly stemming from the lack of kyc um, and then, and, and then the DOJ hit them with bank secrecy violations, bank yes. secrecy act violations, which despite the name of the bank secrecy act, it's actually the banks are supposed to not be as secret. It's the opposite of what the, you would think the act is supposed to be. They, they have to collect information and file all these suspicious activity reports, which you found out from Buzzfeed news last week, don't actually are used for anything. If, if you're a connected individual. 
Which brings up an interesting question. If the Bank Secrecy Act is being applied here, are they considering BitMEX a bank? And if so, that bank is solely collateralized by Bitcoin. Are they officially recognizing Bitcoin as money? Hmm. I don't know. This is just tangent here. But uh, an interesting, like, does the Bank Secrecy Act actually have any power over BitMEX? I don't know. I mean, it's it's it remains to be seen. Um I believe Sam was arrested for, uh, per the DOJ um, charges, uh, which is the bank secrecy violation stuff. I'm, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I, I think they, they can, they can hit these guys with whatever they want to hit them with, though. Is is usually my, my, you know, non-expert take in this field. So, um, so the, here's here's what's going on. The Department of Justice issued a statement talking about the FBI and the CFTC. So FBI Assistant Director William F. Sweeney Jr. said, as we allege here today, the four defendants through their companies and BitMEX cryptocurrency trading platform willfully violated the Bank Secrecy Act by evading U.S. anti-money laundering requirements. One defendant went as far as to brag the company incorporated in a jurisdiction outside the U.S. because bribing regulators in that jurisdiction. <laughs> Jurisdiction costs just a coconut. Thanks to the diligent work of our agents, analysts, and partners with the CFTC, they will soon learn the price of their alleged crimes will not be paid with tropical fruit, but rather could result in fines, restitution, and federal prison time. So that was the FBI statement. So the FBI, CFTC, in conjunction with each other, Department of Justice is uh, announcing this. And we shall see what happens. But it's... They're trying to make an example out of them. Yeah, it's disgusting how hypocritical it is, especially considering the information that was divulged by BuzzFeed and other journalists around the world in relation to the uh, suspicious activities report that are being held at FinCEL, uh, that the largest banks in the world facilitate some of the worst crimes and enable some of the worst criminals, the drug cartels, uh, the people trafficking humans. Uh, Deutsche Bank was holding uh, accounts for uh, Jeffrey Epstein, even after he was released on pedophile charges and people knew that he was involved in trafficking. They still had accounts open for him or allowing him to use that. And uh, here's a tweet that perfectly summed it up uh, from, let me pull up a Twitter account here, uh, Tyler Bull, uh, Typer Bull, excuse me, at Typer Bull, T-Y-P-E-R-B-O-L-E, BitMEX, 11 billion deposits from people who will want to trade Bitcoin. Founders arrested. Big banks process trillions in known suspicious transactions as exposed in the FinCEN files, get sweetheart deals, fines, accounting, amounting to fractions of profits, and a second chance to clean the, their act up. Uh, this two-tier justice system has never been more clear than it, than it was made today. You know, another thing here that's important to keep in mind is basically what the U.S. government is saying, what these government agencies are saying is you have to follow U.S. laws for U.S. citizens if you serve U.S. citizens. BitMEX has historically not allowed U.S. citizens on their platform, but U.S. citizens could use a VPN to get around those restrictions. So basically what U.S. government agencies are saying is any company anywhere in the world needs to do KYC, which we already know on this podcast is dangerous um, for users and ineffective. They need to do KYC to weed out which users are U.S. users to go out and block them. Otherwise, 
the U.S. government will go after you. Which is, 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 is basically the U.S. government saying that every single company on this planet needs to hurt the privacy of their users. No matter where you are. No matter where you are. It's not enough to just say the, the, the you know, U.S. users can't use it. I guess you could presumably say U.S. users can't use it and we're going to block all known VPN IP addresses, hosted VPN IP addresses. But still, in that case, you're hurting user privacy because users should be using hosted VPNs when they connect to these services. Yeah, it's completely fucked. The empire is getting brash. It's, uh, I mean, we've been opining on this for, for quite some time now. Uh, so I guess we should mention this while um, it seems to still be true. It seems that BitMEX is uh, processing withdrawals and they're doing it... Um, in a manner that they have not in the past they usually do daily withdrawals at 8 a.m eastern and it seems that uh i, I guess as a sign to show that customers can still access their utxos Which is like 17 hours from now 18 hours from yeah now. so they're processing withdrawals right now uh the way i understand it uh they hold funds in a multi-sig address held by the co-founders obviously one is in jail um so they have enough signers to process withdrawals so any of you international freaks are out there uh, are just finding this out via RHR, uh, I would try to get that stuff off the exchange while you still can because I would imagine they shut down yeah. uh, the facilitation of, of withdrawals pretty soon. No, if you have if you have funds on that exchange and you haven't fucking pulled them off already, like go fucking do that right now and, uh, and, and wait to see how it plays out. You know, not your keys, not your coins. Um, but... With two things here with that, it's very interesting, is, I mean, from a user perspective, you know, mad respect to BitMEX there, right? Um, getting users their funds. Uh, also, you know, if, if listeners were paying attention, last month BitMEX added KYC for the first time, right? And they also gave users a window, like a window, a window before they started implementing it. They didn't shotgun KYC users, which is... You know, obviously, user hostile to shotgun KYC users, but but regulators appreciate when you shotgun KYC. They don't want you to give users a warning before you implement these practices. And just like this, like you know, regulators are not going to be happy that they're that they're allowing withdrawals to go out right now. I like so, it. Though. I like it. It's a, it's a very punk rock move by Arthur. No, yeah, it's it's based, but still, like, um. You know, I don't want to read too much into it. We don't have an official BitMEX response yet. Arthur has been silent, um, even though some people have been fooled by BitLord's <laughs> tweets and <laughs> others' tweets. I, I got I got fooled by it. You I, got fooled by the BitLord tweet? Yeah, I did. I, I, um, should, I should know by now. <laughs> um, but Arthur hasn't, done, hasn't issued a response yet, and BitMEX hasn't issued a response yet, but those withdrawals are going out, so... You know, we, we will be paying attention to this and, and updates will go into the SAT standard because uh, I'm sure a lot's going to come out over the next next day or two. As Marty said, we did, you know, I, I, they had a really long run. I'm surprised it's gone on for this long. Um, but uh, to, th to those that are not uh, to those that are not having a sober October, we should we should all, you know, pour one out for them and, and have a drink to, to BitMEX today. Yes. Who knows? Maybe they'll get through this. Uh I heavily doubt it. Yes, I but do we'll too. See. I'm surprised the domain hasn't been seized yet. When we saw with one broker in BTCE, they, they have that seized screen that comes up. Maybe it will pop up while we're recording. Who knows? Um, let's just 
Yeah, well, uh, pour some out for Bitbex tonight. Let's give pro- proper pop, proper props where proper do, where props are due. Mm-hmm. Proper props where props are due. Uh, I mean, they somebody just tweeted at me that Def or Bitmex is the most DeFi uh, application on the market right now. It was more DeFi than most DeFi that exists today, and it. But it was it wasn't decentralized at all. Yeah. But neither is most of DeFi. Yeah. yeah. It's actually like valuable decentralized finance. I mean, there's multi-sigs involved. Just smart contract. Centrally uh, controlled multi-sig. All right. Uh, I wonder just on that note. Beyond yeah, the I point. Wonder- That's not what I want to say. That's not the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make is that BitMEX up to this point in time has been true to Bitcoin's core ethos. They've never That's touched. Fair. They never touched fiat rails. Uh, they were good good stewards of uh, of uh, managing uh, their when they sent transactions again, they sent it once a day at 8 a.m. to uh, make sure they weren't clogging up the blockchain too much. One qualm we had with them is reusable addresses, which we uh, we thought they should have changed. But other than that, they've been a pretty based uh, Bitcoin company that's been built on Bitcoin. Let's not forget they have the BitMix research arm, which does incredible pieces. They have uh, HDR Global, which uh, gives out grants to Bitcoin developers to contribute back to the protocol. They've been good stewards of Bitcoin uh, and the environment that it's been growing up in since they launched in 2014. It's it's just sad because like, they're truly innovative, right? Would you would you argue that the, their products are innovative? They were mass they're massively innovative, and I, I I do agree more with Bitcoin ethos rather than uh, DeFi. DeFi, fuck DeFi. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Hopefully, hopefully those dev grants uh, have been paid out already. <laughs> they don't get locked up. Selfishly speaking, yeah, um, because the uh, DOJ announcement said they're seizing all their or uh, of course applying of course. this to all their subsidiaries. Um, and yeah, so and and the other thing is, so what I was going to say before is, you know, FTX and Binance both. Um, have lower tiers that don't require KYC, even though... Um, so I, I wonder if they go KYC across the board. I wonder if this is going... You know, it, it. we have talked in the last couple of episodes. I mean, we've been talking for months about this. It does seem like like the regulatory chokehold is, is in play here. And and this, this is, seems like, to me, seems like the next... You know the next grip. They're they're they're, mo- they're moving in. It it should be it should be interesting to see how this plays out. Historically, when they've hit an exchange like this, you've seen other exchanges come in and start offering the non KYC. You know, kind of bucket shopish. Uh, it's it's kind of offensive to call Bitmex a bucket shop. They were a little bit you know more innovative and professional than that. But you usually see the no KYC options come in um, to compete with it, a new one. Uh, after one falls, but I'm not sure if if necessarily we will see that happen here. So it should be interesting to see it play out. Uh, what does this mean? Is is uh, one chapter of Bitcoin's story being being ended and another beginning? Are we entering a battle? Um, it's a lovely phone. <laughs> uh, uh. Did you have your uh, did you have your mic off for that? I muted the mic that the freaks heard, but you heard the phone call. Okay, good. 
I, well, and it said call from, so I, I hope uh, nobody yeah, got my, uh I'm I'm currently with my grandmother. I'm at my grandmother's house. Tell her I said um, hi. Just to, just to talk about more positive news, and she has a, uh, a an landline. audible caller ID on her landline <laughs> that that says who is calling. Which is not only extremely annoying, is 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 pretty poor for OPSEC. So. Yes, especially I, if, I, if you're recording audio in the same room. Yeah, but I did I did mute the mic when it when it came in. So apologies, freaks, for that. Family is important, so appreciate your family. Yes. Uh, is a new chapter in Bitcoin's life starting? Are we entering a tumultuous uh, battle against the regulators, against the alphabet soup agencies for? Uh, the ability to use Bitcoin in the way that it was designed. I kind of feel like it. I hope not, you know, as a public Bitcoiner, you know, I like I love this country. I would appreciate if they don't try and ruin my life. I agree. I agree. We need Cynthia Lummis to get into uh, to office sooner so she can help educate the people at these three letter agencies. Great interview. That was pretty woke. Yeah, she's pretty based. Um, Just to note, I I really like, I think she might be the first U.S. politician to accept Bitcoin donations uh, non-custodially, with with no custody, because she's using BTC Pay Server, which I think is like particularly the most based of, of that whole interview. She gets it. She gets it. And... Uh, should we turn the page on the BitMEX subject? And I'm sure there will be more in the coming weeks. Or should we should we riff on this a little bit more? You know, I'm. Well, we're 17 minutes in. I think that's you know I, we don't really have much more to say. I'm shook right now. This this news, you know, kind of it hit me only like. Uh, yeah, you didn't know when I when I uh, messaged you. Yeah, exactly. So I was trying to catch up, and uh, I, I'm still a little bit shook. We will end up probably talking about this for the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully the freaks didn't lose too much money. Uh, I, you know, the, the truth of the matter is anyone who sent, most people who sent money into BitMEX lost it anyway. Yes. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, stay humble, stack sats and, and not your keys, not your coins. Keep that in mind. So exactly. there we go. Uh, we'll transition to the dashboard here because it actually has been surprising how well the price has held up. All things considered is that. Ten thousand eight hundred something dollars earlier today. Right now, currently at block six hundred fifty thousand eight hundred thirty-one, the price of Bitcoin is standing at ten thousand five hundred eighty dollars, according to Clark Moody's dashboard. It's a pretty, uh, it's not a lot. It's not a big dump on this news, which is pretty big news. Yeah, uh, what do you think about that? Do you think is this bearish for the price? Is this bullish? Some people are saying it's bullish for the price. Some people are like, is this going to be like a Gox type of situation? I don't know. Uh, the most bearish part of Gox was that they seized the coins and started. Oh no, no, that was Silk Road. The most bearish part of Silk Road was they seized the coins and like dumped them over years, like periods of years. Right? Yeah. So I want. I wonder uh, how intense the uh, the multi sig of the insurance fund is, because that is what I assume they would attempt to seize, and that's got like close to a hundred thousand Bitcoin or something in it. I think more than that. Yeah. Isn't it like 200,000 Bitcoin now? Maybe. I don't know. Um, it's high. It's so that's hun- the biggest risk, I would say, in terms of a bearish price. Yeah, but, well, would the U.S. government dump it this time, or do you think they'd hold it? No, they would dump it. They should hold it, but they would dump it. Yeah, shame on them. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll stay up on that. Uh, moving across the dashboard here... Uh, 
seems that a little bit of hash rate has left the network since we met last week. Uh, we're currently 336 blocks away from the next difficult to retarget, which is scheduled to be on October 3rd, so Saturday, uh, uh, East Coast time. Uh, difficulty change is estimated to be a negative 0.3%. Uh, blocks are coming in at roughly 10 minutes and 3 seconds, so uh, relatively flat. Uh, not, not a material reduction in difficulty if uh, it stays at this pace. Uh, there are currently fi- 54,000 527 transactions in the mempool uh 11% rbf so i bet uh some people trying to get their fees off of uh bitmex or bitmex is maybe using rbf to make sure that these transactions go through before they, before they get uh, i don't sh- think they use rbf no um i'm speculating here uh f- yeah immediate fee if you want to get a next block is 101 sats per byte if you're willing to wait an hour it's 96 sats per byte if you're willing to wait a day it drops all the way to three sats per byte and matt we're still at one sat per byte for a week if you're willing to wait never going to see one sat per byte again (laughs) uh samurai whirlpool capacity liquidity excuse me sorry uh clark note change capacity liquidity uh is at 1696.59 bitcoin it's approaching 1700 we passed 1700 earlier in the week and drop back below but i believe we're at something like 1636 earlier this week so and whirlpool volume this month was the second highest ever with last month being the highest shout out shout out to whirlpool users keep keep mixing freaks or coin joining excuse me um that's all we'll do for the the dashboard right now uh i'll actually i'll just throw the ads in the beginning of the episode um so yeah, we don't want mi- to mid- we're not going to mid-roll you freaks it's been, yeah it's been it's pretty late in the episode now yeah um should we just go to the shout outs and get that over with yeah be excited marty I, oh i am excited uh we have to uh so we we got to read the conspiracy theory shout out. Yeah, there's a conspiracy theory shout out. You freaks uh, may have, may remember if you listened, I believe it was a couple weeks ago at this point. Two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago at this point, we mentioned the fact that there was a freak who sent in a shout out uh, with some words for Jack Mahler's and Strike. We were uncomfortable reading it because we, uh, we thought it misrepresented what was going on and we couldn't confirm at the time, but we can now confirm that it's misrepresenting what's going on. And we, it was filled with ad hominems. Well, they're about to hear it. Yeah, we're going to read it. Again, these aren't and we our also, words. Just to note, we've refunded, we've refunded the freak who sent it in, but yeah. we're still going to read it just to quell these theories that people keep hitting me with. Yes. Okay. And, and you freaks can make a judgment call on 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 why we, we why we chose not to read it at the time. Hey guys, just listened to Jack Mahler's on Pump and felt the need to write in because of how misrepresented Strike, how he misrepresented Strike. In the past, Strike was made out to be a lightning wallet app which could accept fiat and was instantly turned into Bitcoin. He made it seem as if we'd hold our own coins in a connected wallet. Now on Pump. We find out that he'll just be accepting our coins and trading with them in the background to make his own profit off our capital like it's the Robinhood app. What if he loses money on his trades and ends up with less Bitcoin than everyone thinks they have put in? If what people want to what if people want to withdraw Bitcoin off strike and he doesn't have it? This is rehypothecation. What good is Bitcoin if we just use it as new foundations for the same old corrupt practices? 
and he has the nerve to criticize DeFi, which actually lets you connect your wallet and hold your coins in actual smart contracts on chains. What a joke. Jack is the leftist simp Judas goat of Bitcoin. Uh, so a couple of things here. I don't think Strike's custodial at all. I actually downloaded it and used it this week and can't confirm that you, you send fiat, you pay. You can't hold Bitcoin on it. No, I think you're getting Strike and uh, Zap mixed up. He does have a non-custodial wallet. Uh, under the Zap company and that I use every day for Lightning, um, but uh, yeah, you can't. He's not. He's not like using. You, since you can't hold Bitcoin uh, on the Strike app, he there's no way he could like take your Bitcoin and rehypothecate it and trade it. I did not listen to the pomp podcast yet, but he's explained it to us. I think what he's doing, the trading aspect, he's just trying to hedge price risk that he's taking on, like Strike. Uh, he's taking on a lot of risk, particularly price volatility risk, uh, the way Strike is set up. He's using his own Bitcoin to pay on behalf of customers, and he's trying to maintain the purchasing power and value of his Bitcoin over time. So he will. Ex- it strikes he, Bitcoin. Yeah. It's in, yeah. Strike so, is simply a fiat ramp where you can go back and forth, but they're not holding your Bitcoin. No. Um, they allow you to pay Bitcoin invoices in fiat. Uh, and it's not a privacy service. It is strictly KYC'd. Yeah. And I think he's pretty clear about that. Yeah. And he's pro- definitely not a simp Judas. No. He's our boy. Yeah. And DeFi is definitely garbage. So yeah. we're hitting all of these things, you know, and, and this is why I didn't want to read it originally. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another uh, shout out that I'm about to read that has some ad hominems at it. And just like, you guys can criticize businesses in the space. Please, if you do, make sure you're right about the facts uh, so you don't put us in this awkward situation where we have to tell you that uh, we're not going to read this because you're wrong. Because uh, part of it was I didn't want to criticize the freak who paid for the shout-out, yes. right? Because like I, I love you freaks. So if you're going to put us in this situation, like do a little bit of research and be a little bit more eloquent about it and don't fucking hit us with the ad homonyms. I uh, like debate ideas, not people, please. Okay. Continue. Yes. All right. Uh, so next one, uh, again, so going forward, you can, you can, uh, criticize the companies. Please don't attack the people with ad hominems. Uh, and then we'll talk about the merits of the shout out from there. So Matt Odell on September 21st, 2020 reputation. Last week last week reputation is a long game especially in this space if you lose it there should be no forgiveness you'll lose that for good in the world of shit tokens you can make a lot of money so if you think this is wrong you need to keep calling them out in the same spirit a psa zach herbert foundation devices and obelisk inc are all failed shitcoin hardware con artists after destroying obelisk inc's reputation zach and his team rebranded to foundation devices and is now targeting bitcoiners with stolen vaporware hardware satoshi help anyone who trusts foundation devices with their bitcoin keys uh okay it's a interesting opinion uh disclaimer here at great american mining we are investors in foundation devices uh we we uh we have inve- we have uh pumped a seed investment into the company because we really believe in what zach and team are building a couple things here they did not rebrand to foundation devices it's a whole new company uh, and we have talked to Zach and team extensively, and uh, they admit that uh, Obelisk was not the success they had hoped it would be. They ran into um, some hard problems as it pertains to manufacturing hardware on U.S. soil. It became a little expensive, a little slower, 
and the managerial process between the factory floors turned out uh, to be a bit of a hurdle for them. Uh, I am bullish on foundation devices and the team they're building there. With that being said, uh, like Matt uh, frequently recommends, I would uh, I would wait till their hardware hits the market, test it out before you put a lot of funds on it, make sure you can trust them and it's well tested. Uh, I do think they will deliver something that's pretty cool. I like the QR code. Uh, standard they're rolling with and then beyond the hardware wallet uh, the reason we invested in the McGam is because uh, they're going to build hardware beyond wallets in the future um, they may get back into ASICs uh, and even though uh, while they're at Obelisk there were some unfortunate uh, events that took place so we're confident that they're learning from those mistakes and we'll apply that to to future products that's what I'll say Matt what do you think um, so first of all the Obelisk was a company that was created by the SIA founders. SIA is a shitcoin that is designed to be basically like a decentralized Dropbox. And they set out to make ASICs. And there was a lot of fuckery that happened there. I did. I have great dreads on it because I, I did because... There's a the SIA team led by David Vorick, who's not who's not affiliated with uh, Foundation Devices. Um, were they were they were right on point about ASICs, right? Which is what most shit corners aren't on point about ASICs, which is that you want your chain to be dominated by ASICs. It is the most secure situation for you to be in. It enhances the loose game theory that secures these networks because. The hardware isn't general purpose. So if, if if something happens to the chain, that hardware becomes bricks. They become worthless. The issue was they decided to then create ASICs, and then Bitmain beat them to the punch. So they put a backdoor in their ASICs, which were delayed in the first place, that they had pre-orders for, hardware pre-orders for, which if, if, if Bitcoiners, historical Bitcoiners... Um, they know about ASIC pre-orders uh, and, and like Butterfly Labs, you know, like when is it going to come? Um, ASIC pre-orders are like almost never a good idea. Uh, but so, so their ASIC was late. It was underpowered and was beat by Bitmain. So they switched the algo and in their ASICs, their, their ASICs were able to switch algo, but Bitmain's weren't. So they, brick, they forked SIA and they bricked Bitmain ASICs. And Vorik and the rest of the team made it seem like they were being virtuous. It was like virtuous pro chain. Like oh, everyone agreed with them. Well, like obviously the miners that had Bitmain miners didn't agree with them. They they had their hardware. It was Bitmain and and Knot miners, I believe too. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they they had gotten completely owned there. Um, there was also something else about Grin miners. I think they got refunded. Um, Zach has spoken about some of this. Uh, so, so that, that was all s- some shady shit. Like people shouldn't know about that. I a hundred percent think people should know about that. Um, I, I also, what? I don't think Zach was on the executive board when that stuff happened. He like got He asked, was CTO, wasn't he? COO, but he got asked to step up towards the end of Obelisk's lifestyle to basically okay. wind it down, I believe. So those, yeah. So he probably regrets doing that. I would imagine. Um, and then the other thing is, like, what I what I have a lot of issue with with foundation is pre-orders of 
of unreleased first generation product, which, you know, we love cold card here. The cold card first gen fucking was horrible. The touchscreen buttons, like I still have three of them in my fucking shelf. Like no one, I, I don't think people should be ordering pre-order. For, like you can order it if you want to fuck around. You just love Bitcoin, you know, but just don't have high hopes. Um, and especially since it's way more expensive, it's the most, it's, it's the most expensive hardware wallet on the market, right? It's like $300. Um, and then the other thing is cold card is GPL licensed. Um, so the source code is supposed to be released if you sell a product using that code and foundation is saying that they're going to release the source when they deliver the product before. Right? I think Zach came out this week and said they're going to. Uh, drop the the code before uh, shipments officially go out. Right, but the code should go out when the pre-orders start. That's all, that's you know my nitpick. Uh, so so I, I I have that nitpick, and uh, yeah, you know we'll, we'll, we'll I, I, I users should people prospective customers should know all this background. I think, and I think Zach has done a decent enough job of, of actually talking about it. He talked about it on the podcast with you. Yes. Um, so if you freaks want to go listen to that, it's in the archives. And, and he has responded to people on, on Twitter about it. Yes. But uh, it, it, is what, it, it, is, it is what it is, but Obelisk, like there was some shady fucking shit that happened over at Obelisk. Yeah. And like David Vorick, I was more, most upset with David Vorick out of everyone because I actually thought like he had a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, it, it, turned, it became obvious when they bricked the other A6 that they were, they were being so fucked up, like wall gardened and trying to, and I mean, it was a, a case study in the pitfalls of having a centralized governance team <laughs> for a, uh, a decentralized blockchain, stuff like that happens. And, uh, sort of just destroys any sense of decentralization they are attempting to achieve. Yeah. It's the same thing that we give like DeFi proponents shit for when they say DeFi, but they have a kill switch or they, uh, or, or, I mean, and that's our next story with KuCoin, but you know, we'll go into that after the next shout out, but like when they pretend it's decentralized just for marketing and it's not right. Mm -hmm. And, and in the case of Sia, you know, they're supposed to be decentralized cloud storage, but really, like, all you have to do is pressure the SIA team and, the, you know, the Obelisk team, and and you can you can have the chain do whatever the fuck you want. There, there's no... De- it's decentralization theater. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. I do believe that uh, people can redeem themselves. I guess it looks like Foundation Devices has an uphill battle uh, again. Um I'm interested to see the hardware they put out and I'm rooting for them. I hope they put out good, good products. I think more competition in the space is good. I'm not saying that's certain to be one. We'll see. Um, but I think they're working on interesting stuff and I will be testing out a foundation device, uh, a passport when it, when it hits the market. I do want to see more PSBT compatible QR code wallets, right? Yes. Cause I'm super bullish on Spectre and I think that's like the best model for it. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right, a little rosier shout-out. Uh, actually, a good question. What's up, Marty and Matt? Got a question, shout-out. I ran the numbers this week. The GetTX outset info output shows that the total coins in circulation is 18,503,117.12650381. 
how can we have eight figures after the decimal if Bitcoin rewards have only, or Bitcoins of block subsidies, uh, I'm going to throw in an in edit here uh, to be specific, have only ever been as granular as 6.25 Bitcoin. It seems that coins in circulation should end in 0 0.25, 0 0.50, or 0 0.75, or be a round number. Wondering what in the protocol leads to that trailing decimal string. Thanks for all you do for the freaks. Cheers, a humble runner of numbers and stacker of sats. Very good question. Uh, this, this could, uh, I can easily see how this could throw people off. Like, hey, are there more Bitcoin being printed than there should be at any given point in time? So the way it works is when the subsidy is distributed, uh, it, it's a max subsidy. So you can, uh, like a, when the subsidy was 50 Bitcoin, you could, the miner having found a hash below the current difficulty target, uh, putting transactions in a block and adding it, to the network is allowed to claim the block subsidy in the coinbase that is the coinbase reward and they have to uh they have to say how much of the reward they're claiming most smart miners who are uh, trying to profit as much as possible claim the full reward obviously why wouldn't you but in the past some miners have messed up their software uh, and there have been dozens of instances where they have claimed less than the potential total subsidy i believe there was an rsk miner uh that actually mined a block uh, that got added to the network than to claim any of the subsidies. So uh, we also have instances of miners doing it intentionally, though I think this may not contribute to this stat. MidMagic, uh, at MidMagic on Twitter, was the first to do this. Uh, and like at block like 127, 742, I believe, is off the top of my head. Um, it actually might be 271, 742. Um, he intentionally uh, made one Satoshi of the potential subsidy uh unspendable so he, he burnt uh, satoshi as homage to satoshi uh right around when he he left the project um but yeah no very good question uh very astute observation and so the answer to the question is miners uh have a maximum subsidy they can claim and some have accidentally or intentionally uh claimed less than the potential max Miners claim your full subsidy. Yes. It's scarce. You want it. I but I appreciate it. it. It's a donation to all of us, so yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you for that. And thank you uh, to the humble uh, stacker of sats and runner of numbers out there for asking that question. It's a very good uh, piece of information to educate you freaks around. Um, I, f I had a fun time reading into it yesterday. Some of you may have noticed I sent out a tweet with like five misspellings uh, answering or asking a question about this. Uh, it was cool to see the answers and, and run run through the archives. I dig it. You got to run the numbers. Don't trust verify. Fact. Which is also why I love when the freaks do hit us with the hard hitting shout outs like they did this week. Yes. I love it too. Um don't love seeing exchanges getting hacked. Matt mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I believe it was after we recorded last week, it became apparent that KuCoin, a South Korean exchange, uh, was hacked for $150 million uh, worth of tokens. So Ether, Bitcoin, and ERC-20 tokens, I believe, were the bulk of what was taken. They took $20 million tether. In tether, yeah. That's the ERC-20 ERC tether. Uh, I believe so. It doesn't really matter. It all got frozen. So this is so. First of all, not your keys, not your coins. Um, as the freaks know, 
If you're in Bitcoin long enough, you will be taught a lesson if you don't keep custody of yourself. You will you will end up losing. You will end up losing some some of your money. Um, with this, it's particularly interesting because it was mostly DeFi shit that got hit. And I'm trying to pull up the screenshot I have here. Um, I did this. So, so a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, centralized exchange. And we're actually seeing this with the BitMEX stuff, too. And I mentioned this in the standard this week. Um, centralized exchange, you should use DEXs, right? But what's really happening in the DEX landscape right now is, is the so-called DEX landscape is they're pretending the two main value props is supposed to be non-custodial and no KYC. But really what's happening is you have both custody and KYC happening. It's just happening out of the user's view. It's, it's not happening front and center. You know, they're buying USDC on Coinbase. They're KYCing there. They're custodying their US dollars with Coinbase. And then they're sending it into the DEX. So it's, it's happening one step away. And it's just basically an interoperability platform. And what we saw happen with this KuCoin hack is the overwhelming majority of funds that were stolen were ERC-20 tokens. The $20 million worth of Tether was immediately frozen. Um, they also took Orion Protocol, which, you know, invalidated the $8.5 million that they stole from there. These are all tokens I've never heard of, but whatever. Covesting had $520,000 worth of tokens stolen. They froze it. Cardia Chain had $9 million worth of tokens. They froze it. Uh, Velo Labs had 122 million Velo tokens, which is not $120 million, worth $76 million. They froze that. Uh, Vidit Datalink freezes $14 million worth of, oh no, $6.4 million worth of VIDT. Silent Notary replaced all of its tokens with a whole different set of tokens um, to remove the $95,000 that was affected from the hack. So none of this shit, you know, it's all decentralized only in name only for marketing purposes. And also to try and do like a little bit of regulatory arbitrage where they pretend that they don't have control for regulators so they don't get bitmaxed. Uh, but... It's all bullshit. It's all fucking centralized. They can do whatever the fuck they want. You know, they, they can they can block you out at, at a moment's notice. And and there's no regulatory censorship resistance there because they, they have that power and regulators aren't idiots. They they see this, they know they have that power. Yeah. It uh it's why ransomware attackers request Bitcoin instead of uh these tokens. They you know there's a greater chance of them being able to uh, get away with it with the stash not that it's a good thing or anything it's just a, a nature of bitcoin's decentralization and true censorship resistant properties uh no i think it's massively a good thing because that's the whole value prop like without that there's no value yeah i'm saying the ransomware that, attacks aren't like a good thing obviously without that yeah uh, yeah of course but without that like you're just liberty reserve 2.0 and the government can just any government in the world can just shut it down at a moment's notice yeah um, but especially the U.S. government. So be aware. Do you have, I don't know if you have this on the list, but do you have like the SEC come down on kick? Um, the kick token? I don't think so. Um, I that, do not. That became apparent this week, and it seems like uh, it seems like the SEC is going to start attacking more and more of these ICOs uh, for being for illegal securities 
offerings. Um, so be aware if you've offered a token. Uh, I forget exactly what happened. I saw Preston Byrne and a couple others talking about uh, the kick uh, uh, trial that's going on right now. And they were making fun of uh, what's-his-face from Union Square Ventures for saying it's not a security. Um, uh, uh, fucking Fred Wilson. Yes, that guy. Defendcrypto.org. Yeah. Yes, Defend Crypto. Um, yeah, it's never a good idea to, uh, to have a, a chat app and you try to throw a token on top of it. doesn't make a lot of sense to begin with. Um, it was a Hail Mary. It was a failed, it was a failed uh, company. Yes. Uh, staying on, we've had, we're starting out with news that makes us angry, uh, this week. So much. <laughs> uh, New Zealand tax authorities seeking personal information from local exchanges. So, uh, they are tapping into the exchanges on, uh, in the jurisdiction of New Zealand and, uh, attempting to force them to give up information about, uh, their customers. So the IRD, which I believe is equivalent to the IRS, the Inland Revenue Department, I guess they call it in New Zealand. Yeah, in New Zealand. Um, so it says it's wi- it's widening its net of the tax base and crypto assets are something that's definitely growing in popularity. And we're seeing a huge increase in New Zealanders getting involved. Uh, the requirement to hand over customers' personal information was heartbreaking. So it seems like uh, some of these exchanges are complying. So any of our New Zealand freaks out there, any of the Kiwis out there, um, pouring some out for you today too you know this this is just it's just go it's the it's like it's like we're making this narrative but we're not making this narrative it it, it is happening this is the worst told you so ever um but it's it's the vices closing in this is this is how you try and capture the ecosystem this is how you try and restrict its growth Right. I, I, I don't think ultimately. I don't I, I don't I don't think it's a death knell for the Bitcoin network, the Bitcoin protocol, I, I the, the token, the currency. I, I don't think so, but it's going to be a very painful couple of years um, for Bitcoin users around the world. Like people are going to learn uh, and just individuals, even if you're not in Bitcoin, people are going to learn why privacy is important it's going to be very painful and they're going to learn. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, you identify, you identify people, you catalog them and then, and then you, and you proceed with attempted enforcement. And some people are going to be made examples of. This is why you hodl freaks. Another reason to hodl, honestly, um, if you have the patience, if you have the time preference, the low time preference, uh, and you believe in Bitcoin's potential future, uh, so there's another reason to hodl and maybe try to odd ho- out hodl the uh, overbearing <laughs> regulators uh, who I think we will overcome at the end of the day. But um, it uh, is becoming obvious that they are they are trying to uh, eke as much revenue out of you freaks as possible out of all of us freaks. Um, uh, well, that's why I actually think the ETH side is more vulnerable. Yeah, they trade a lot. And so actually, I should not say. even trade. Like, how about all the yield farming and everything? Like, I don't even know. You know, it's just, it's craziness. Yeah, it's um, yeah. No, like, I think it was funny. A lot of the thought leaders uh, coming from the Ethereum camp were 
uh, throwing Schadenfreude at Arthur Hayes and crew uh, because of Arthur's penchant to call Ethereum a shitcoin. Uh, I find it is. It, it is, and uh, I find it funny. Uh, a lot of these types of people, particularly the ones who uh, run investment funds that are getting access uh, to these coins, are potentially on a non-KYC exchange too, or in backroom deals, uh, are throwing shout and Freud because they think that they will not be subject to uh, the law at some point in a similar regard is, is laughable, uh, considering what's going on. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I mean, there's some Bitcoiners that I disagree with that think, like, the SEC and government agencies should go take down Ethereum. No, I don't you know, think so. I, I think it'll, it'll fall on its own merits. No, I... Or lack of merits. I mean, I, I'm not making a prediction. I prefer if... I prefer if governments allowed these things to just play out. Uh, I'm not sure if that'll be the case, but I prefer if that was the case. Um, and I, I think... I think that no one on either side should really be cheering um, pretty like inequitable government enforcement that just happens. Right. And 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 that's the case right now. And I, I think that that on the Ethereum side, they are being and we saw this with the KuCoin hack, but even more so with BitMEX, where they're being a little bit conceited about this whole DeFi thing. And I think this is like how you learn. You know, this is how people will learn that it's not actually decentralized. They're going to learn the hard way, unfortunately. There are some influencers and thought leaders on the Ethereum side that realize that's the case. And they're actively lying to people, misleading people about it. And they can go fuck themselves. Um, but I think there's like an overwhelming majority of people over on the Ethereum side. They don't even realize. Like, they're going to realize, like, as these... DeFi teams get hit one by one, and as the users get fucked, you know, one by one. Imagine if Infura gets hit. <laughs> it's so easy. You just hit Infura, you know, KYC the notes. Right. It's, uh... <sighs> Moving on. And a less like... ethical Bitcoiner than me might take a big consulting gig from the government for that one. But <laughs> if they're listening, they can just KYC the notes. <laughs> Speaking of government grants, uh, Chain Analysis and Integra FEC have received a contract from the IRS to uh, to crack the tracing on the Lightning Network and Monero. Um, thank you for the archive link, uh, Matthew. So <laughs> it's basically Chain Analysis. It's the same thing. Like anyone who goes to that fucking link is not a good. You don't go to that link. Yes. Uh, so. It's just the government contracts website for this pilot IRS cryptocurrency tracing award. They're going to give out an award. Uh, so chain analysis. I think it's 600K to each of them. Yeah. So chain analysis and uh, Integra FEC. And I've never heard of Integra. Neither have I. Um, and it, I don't think this doesn't necessarily mean that they can break Lightning or Monero. Yeah. Why wouldn't they just make an open bounty? awarded the contract. Why wouldn't they just make an open bounty? I don't know. I, that, maybe that's not how the government does things. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the idea is they pay them and then they're supposed to develop the software for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So be aware. Just uh, continues to add to that narrative that we're building. Yes, it does. Bitcoin is under attack. Yes. That's seems, okay. 
you know like this is not fud no no it's uh reporting the news here and you know what we've always said it bitcoin's going to get attacked at the end they should expect it if it's not attacked it's not worth uh existing right it is in existence to be a, a direct affront to the global vampire squid banking system uh, that is uh revolved around the central banking system, the Federal Reserve, the ECB, the Bank of Japan, and their counterparts around the world. It seems like they're scared. They're coming down over the innovation after the innovative products. Uh, they're, they're trying to squeeze out taxpayers, scare them. Um, and now they're trying to uh, make it so uh, these users can be tracked on the blockchain uh, or with lightning uh, on the second layer. So this is a good transition into our next topic, which is the fact that Pierre Rochard added bounties to BitcoinAxe.com. So uh, baller. we need to uh, make sure that the code that makes Bitcoin run at the protocol level is as secure and reviewed as possible. And Pierre, uh, who launched BitcoinAxe.com a couple years ago, I believe. I forget when it initially launched, but it's been around for a while. It's a site that allows uh, individuals to track uh, the... Um, the activity in the Bitcoin uh, GitHub repository, Bitcoin Core specifically, excuse me, uh, and you can uh, basically uh, filter PRs, uh, topics, reviews, uh, the the types of um, uh, PRs that uh, the labels of the PRs uh, and sort of filter and, and figure out what's getting the most attention, what's getting the least attention, what needs the most review. And last week, Pierre added a uh, a button that allows you to uh, put a bounty on particular PRs. Yeah, I mean, so this is a really cool fucking integration. Uh, Pierre's site was already dope, BitcoinAxe.com. Dope-ass site. Really cool interface. Um, as the freaks know, I have Bitcoin DevList if you want to contribute to devs. This is instead of dev-focused, it's specifically pull request-focused. So the dev, and it's only BTC pay. So the, the dev can integrate their own BTC pay. It's opt-in if they want to. If the pull request gets merged, then the dev gets paid out the bounty. Um, it's non-custodial, so it is like an honor system for what it's worth. Like it's, you are you're vouching, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay this dev this many, many sats, but I'm not actually sending it until it happens. It's custodial, you mean? No, it's non-custodial. Like, there's no way to enforce it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, so, so Pierre's not like if I say, let's say I say like Taproot gets merged, um, I'm gonna pay five hundred thousand sats if Taproot gets merged, right, to the devs involved. Um, when it gets merged, inevitably, hopefully, when it gets merged, I will, I would have to manually push that payment that payment does not autom doesn't automatically go. So I could be full of shit. You could have a bounce, you know, so which isn't like the most ideal thing, right? Like I think in in my mind when I'm running it through my head, like the most ideal would be if it was like held in some kind of I guess you you can't like fully decentralize it, but if it was like held in some kind of like liquid-esque federation, multisig where you had like a 16 person multisig uh and it took like eight keys to to send it right or something like that i don't know because uh, you also don't want pierre to hold all the funds either so there's no like there's a lot of nuance here there's no super clean way to do it 
but I think it's I think it's a really cool project. I really love what he did with it, and it's very clean. It's very clean how it looks. Yeah, and it's, it throws an interesting dynamic into the way code is prioritized within the Bitcoin core repository. Uh, it allows individuals who may not necessarily be developers to to draw focus to certain areas. Um, so that's an interesting new aspect and variable to the development of, of Bitcoin Core specifically. And also someone mentioned that uh, review is sorely needed, which I feel like comes up every time this topic comes up. And he supposedly has something in store for review as well, some kind of way to incentivize uh, review of these different pull requests. So we'll see what he has in store for us. But I appreciate it regardless. On a completely separate note, both the Nakamoto Institute and Noted Podcast Twitter handles have been unbanned um, due to <laughs> due to individual attention by Jack. So it's good to see that happen. Hell yeah! Um, dun, 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 dun. We have breaking news. Bitmex has issued a statement, a blog post, United States CFTC and DOJ filing in response to reports of the U.S. Commodities Futures Trading Commission and Department of Justice's decision to file charges against HDR Global Trading Limited and related parties. We have the following statement. We strongly disagree with the U.S. government's heavy-handed decision to bring these charges and intend to defend the allegations vigorously. From our early days as a startup, we have always sought to comply with the applicable U.S. laws as those laws were understood at the time and based on available guidance. In the meantime, the BitMEX platform is operating entirely as normal and all funds are safe. To allay any potential customer concerns pending withdrawal requests were processed at 745 UTC in line with our standard procedures. Uh, we will process another off-cycle withdrawal at 8 o'clock UTC, uh, October 2nd, 2020, and then 1300 UTC as usual. If you have any f- further questions, please contact BitMEX support. So what do we think of that? Let the fight begin. You know, it's they have one of their own in in custody right now, you know. Yeah. <sighs> Innocent until proven. That's guilty. their best leverage. The best lever cuz cuz historically it's the fiat that can really you can really turn the nails on. Um a lot of people are talking today about Poker Black Friday in the U.S., where they went after all the all the U.S. serving poker websites. Um, the way they did that was they went after the Mastercards, Visas, they went after the payment processors, they went after fiat, which was one of the bull cases for me with Bitcoin. It was it was what made me realize why Bitcoin could be valuable, was because they couldn't easily do that. They couldn't easily turn the screws on the on the traditional you know centralized third party fiat. Uh, so with BitMEX, they don't have any of those connections, which is, was part of the genius, genius of their product to begin with, but they do have the CTO and co-founder and presumably like good friend of, uh, the other two co-founders. So it should be interesting to see how it plays out, but, uh, it it appears that they're not willing to go down without a fight, which you respect. Yeah. I, I would assume, uh, Sam reads, reader reads, read, I think, uh, I think it's read who's in custody right now. Maybe he's based. Maybe he said, hey, if they ever take me in, keep fighting. Who knows? That insurance fund, maybe hopefully they can put it to use for some of these uh, some of these legal bills that it seems they're about to incur. 
Um, it's October 1st. So our, our good friend Janine has dropped her uh, uh, privacy newsletter, uh, even though she updates it ongoing. Uh, the month has officially ended. So September privacy newsletter by Najin, J- Najin, Janine uh, is out there this month. Uh, it includes uh, stories on Schnorr, uh, EFF calling for Coinbase transparency, uh, the Wasabi Wallet developer meeting, Fidelity's crypto privacy conference, which Matt was a part of, uh, Samurai opens beta testing for Soroban, uh, and do-it-yourself coin joins with fully noted. So there's a lot of great information. When I just mentioned and a bunch of other stuff, we're going to link to that, obviously, so go check it out. Love it. It's fantastic, yes. as always. Uh, another Appreciate news. you, Janine. Go follow Janine on Twitter as well. Yes, Uh I don't, uh, there's like a zero involved. I can't say it off the top of my head right now. And the other thing is with, with Janine's newsletter, what I really love is, you know, here at TFTC, we are purveyors of newsletters. Uh, but uh, Janine does it in a way that tries to respect your privacy. Um, so you either have to go on, to, you, you have to subscribe via RSS. She doesn't have like a big email list that she sends it out, which I, I mean, I respect. I respect her trying to do the grind. Um, it turns out that it's a lot easier if if you don't, uh, you know, if you if you take shortcuts in terms of your users. And uh, so I, I just appreciate everything she does. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a based uh, newsletter. Uh, I cannot say that we have the same type of privacy policy for our newsletters here at TFTC. Well, no, the reason I bring it up is so so like, look, if 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 the freaks don't want us to have their email addresses, they can view the newsletter at tftc.io. Um, we, we do have one Google tracker on there, so they should, they should, they should use an ad blocker if they don't want that Google tracker on there. Uh, that's is like a basic analytics thing. Um, I meant to talk to you about that because I was talking to Janine about that. She did do a search on our, our website, so maybe we should remove that. I would like if we remove that, but we were supposed to talk about that off air. We're not. We we haven't. But anyway, hey, this is a, a live TFTC business meeting. Yeah, the site doesn't I, get that much traffic anyway. I don't really look at the Google Analytics to be honest. So no, I know, but Google does. That's why we have to remove it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the 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 reason I bring it up is because Zcash had a Stripe tracker, Stripe, the payment company, on their website because of their newsletter. And she called them out on that because they're supposed to be a privacy-focused... It was Zcash Foundation. They're supposed to be a privacy-focused foundation, and they have a tracker on their fucking website. And they said to her, um, they, they, they said to her, like, you, it's, it's a newsletter isn't worth, like, you know dotting your I's and crossing your T's in privacy for newsletter recipients. And meanwhile, she is literally putting out a newsletter that does that, right? So, like, they, it was like a complete slap in the face to her, and I just felt like it should be called out that she, you know, she really embodies, you know, she practices what she preaches. I just, tons of respect there. Yes. Yes. Um, shout out to Janine. Go check out uh, this newsletter. We're going to link to it, obviously. Uh some good news today uh merch who is one of the lead maintainers of bitcoin stack exchange uh he's been working at bitco for a few years on their custodial products he has officially joined chaincode labs to focus on bitcoin development um so chaincode has another solid developer 
should we should we should we bring out what Michael Falkerson thread that we were talking about the other day? Uh, yeah, I mean we should, but first, cheers to merch, completely deserved. He was at Bitco before, now he's at Chain Code, and uh, great addition to the team. So, yeah. Um, no, but there has been some discussion about Chain Code on Twitter, particularly, uh, and. Should preface this, but we love Chain Code Labs. We are friends. Our with, boys. We're friends with a lot of developers there, but I think just to be uh, true to the ethos of Bitcoin and being adversarial thinkers, Michael Falkinson brought up some interesting points in a Twitter thread the other, I think it was last week or earlier this week. Um, I, I think basically asking uh, Chain Code to be more transparent with their process. I believe. Yeah, he just I think he wanted more transparency in general, right? Yeah. I, I think I think his his main hot take was and also we love Michael Folkson. Uh his main hot take was that anyone who was worried about Blockstream having too much influence, he thinks Chaincode has more influence than Blockstream did, you know, a few years ago when when all the Blockstream fud was happening. Yes. Yeah, I think that Which is probably true. It's probably true, yeah. Right? Yeah. And the main thing he was saying is like the main way to become a core, like a valued core contributor is to go through Chain Code's residency program, which is also true. Yes, so I guess the yeah he was saying, are we getting to a point where if you want to contribute to the code base, you need to go through this this particular um, developer lab um, to to contribute uh, earnestly? Uh, it's a good question to ask. It's a conversation. And I think he- conversation that should be had i think his conclusion was no not yet but like we could get there very easily yes and we have to be wary of it and i i tend to agree with that yes and i think he was talking about uh developing a similar uh but distributed uh lab to what chain code is running um I, I mean, don't. I don't even think it needs to be distributed. It'd be just be nice if we had multiple labs yeah. that I mean, we do. overall together becomes distributed, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the idea. You have um, Square Crypto now. You have Digital Garage. You have Blockstream. Blockstream um, still. Yeah. They're still heavyweights. They're powerful as fuck. Yeah. Um, something to pay pay attention to. Be aware. Beware, freaks. Uh, all right. We're into the software update part of the show we're just going to blow through this matt if there are any significant updates just stop me and, and mention what's going on Vernon dojo version 1.7.0 has been released sparrow wallet version 0.9.4 has been released nix bitcoin version 0.0.18 has been released the is satoshi is probably something to mention version 0.1.1 has been released by talaya 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 Labs? I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, no but, idea. Uh, Aya Satoshi is the first uh, live watchtower implementation on Lightning, correct? Uh, I, or at least it might be number two, uh, but it's it's the most uh, it's the most real implementation. It's the most stable implementation. Yes. So that is most practical. I guess practical is the proper word. We we will talk about it more in the episode that gets dropped tomorrow. Actually, yes. we uh, we've recorded with Yost uh, Yager, uh, who posted a thread in the Medium post last week about uh, p- 
potential vulnerabilities on the Lightning Network and how to uh, secure the network against potential attacks. It's, it was an incredible, dense one-hour conversation. Oh, it's such a good conversation. Yeah. Um, I think the freaks are going to love it. Yeah, so be on the lookout. We gave you five pods this week, freaks. Don't say we don't work hard for you, okay? It's uh, crazy. I'm even behind. I haven't even listened to them all. You know, I, don't, don't feel compelled to listen. This is going to be there. Come to them when you get your chance. When, when I'm, I'm, I'm hustling. I gotta, I'll go for a jog tonight, and I'll listen to another one. BTC Pay Server version 1.0.5.6 has been released. We're going to link to the official blog post from BTC Pay Server, which looks like it moved to Ghost. Um, it's got the big sh- thing here is automatic UTXO labeling. Wait a second. That is huge. I know. I know. The big uh, For TFTC, there's a different big thing. But the big thing here for privacy is automatic UTXO labeling, which is I want to see wallets have UTXO labeling in general where a user can label a transaction, what that transaction is themselves manually. What BTC Pay now is going a step further than that, and they are putting automatic labels on top of it, which is fucking awesome. And now I will let Marty grandstand on the other aspect. I'm not going to grandstand here. I just want to give a shout grandstand, out to Marty. <coughs> shout out to our, our developer, DJ Seeds. Uh, uh, Rockstar Dev hinted at it a couple months ago, I believe, that they're working on a Shopify integration with BTC Pay server. Uh, DJ took some code that... Uh, uh, Rui Gomes from OpenNode wrote, uh, Rui pointed out a workaround to implement BTC Pay Server on uh, Shopify. I don't know if they ever implemented it, but DJ took those notes and implemented it. So I think we at uh, TFTC were the first to have BTC Pay checkouts on Shopify. Uh, Absolutely, it, I'm pretty sure. And it seems like they have officially merged that into BTC Pay Server, which is pretty sweet. Uh, are we contributing to the the uh, cl- uh, closed loop economy. What, the circular economy, yeah, at least, circ- at least DJ is, and uh, we help pay his rent, so we have that going for us. Yes. So shout out to DJ. I mean, we Matt and I, I just basically said, hey, can you make this work on Shopify? And he went and did it. <laughs> so <laughs> massive props to Marty for for that task that he that he placed on DJ. Yeah. yeah, No, I mean, and it was pretty cool. We got mentioned in the blog post. Uh, So I look. We love BTC Pay Server. I'm wearing my BTC Pay hat. Um, One of the most important projects in the space. I will reiterate though, this automatic UTXO labeling. Like, no offense, but this automatic UTXO labeling is is the best feature in this release. I would agree. I would agree. Um, It is huge. We talk about labeling a lot on this podcast. I was trying to do my best Kanye there. if the freaks didn't get it. Um, So go download PTC Pay Server version 1.0.5.6 if you haven't done so already. Uh, This isn't necessarily an upgrade, but a product launch, Aqua Wallet by Blockstream. They announced it during a VR meetup last week, I believe, and it's just a seamless Bitcoin and liquid wallet. It's basically a stripped-down version of green, is my understanding. It's iPhone-only, so I haven't tried it yet. Uh, Freaks, Marty promised us that he's going to try it and he's going to report back next week. All right, I'll try it. I agree. Well, I might as well download Aqua. Yeah, it's basically like a, a stripped-down single-sig version. Apparently, And the they're U- going to have both. They're going to have both at the same time. Oh, and, the, and one major difference is that it is going to allow you to buy in the app. 
yeah. through through a wire integration, which we've seen other apps use as well. W Y R E, which is like Apple Pay and debit card. Yes. With um, KYC, obviously. So I will be testing out that. I'll be testing that out this week, and I'll let you freaks know what I think about it next week on the podcast. Uh, this was cool. We actually talked about it on the podcast releasing tomorrow. Uh, it's interesting product coin os web wallet with liquid and lightning support um so coinos.io is the website and it's basically a service that allows you to have a web wallet uh that could be custodial or you could uh, point it at your own server and sort of self-host it uh it's an option for bitcoiners who want to use lightning network and liquid uh, the ux seems pretty cool um what are your thoughts on it matt I think it's pretty slick. It's a pretty cool idea. Uh, the developer behind it looks like a baller. I read his page, uh, first of all. Um, so I appreciate you. Uh, hopefully you're a freak. Uh, that would It would be an honor if you're a freak. Um, I think it's cool that the code is open so you can run it. Uh, you can r- You can run it yourself for others if you want. And you can run it as a hidden service, as an onion... Onion site, a uh, tour site, uh, which he has. He has a tour site and a clearnet site. And yes, it's custodial, not your keys, not your coins. 100% believe that. Uh, but for smaller amounts, there's some interesting play here because it is, as Marty said, a combined wallet. So you can send in, for instance, an on chain transaction, and you can send out a lightning transaction. Or you can send in a lightning transaction and you can send out a liquid transaction. And it's all seamless based on which address you put in. So if you just have this combined balance sitting there in this in this custodial wallet that can be run by anyone, there could be a million CoinOS instances in the world. And whatever address you put in, it'll pay out on that on that on you know on that network. Um, so you put in a liquid address, it'll automatically pay with liquid. You put in a lightning invoice, it'll automatically pay out with lightning. You put in an on-chain SegWit address or whatever, it'll automatically pay out on-chain. And that seems pretty massive to me. Like, I know this whole time we've been saying, like, oh, you know, Liquid's useful to traders or whatever. I've been waiting for, like, something that made me think that maybe, like, Liquid could be useful. Um, and this is kind of that type of product that maybe, you know, the the interoperability there where you can like seamlessly move between them even though it's custodial like maybe there's there there feels like there's something there you low fee instant you know you don't have the capacity restraints that you have with with lightning it is confidential transaction but it is custodial so you know you want to keep small amounts it's interesting it's an interesting concept i i i kind of dig it to be honest yeah let's go to coinos.io to check it out obviously i'm curious i'm sorry you're curious about what I'm curious what the freaks think about it. So hit us in the comments. Let us know. Uh, don't hold anything back. Not that I need to tell you that clearly. Uh, but, uh, I'm, curi- I'm curious what you think. And Mar- Marty, you haven't tried it yet, right? No, no. It's pretty cool. It's I, slick. It's slick as fuck, to be honest. I'm, uh, I'm uh, usually not a late adopter, but like a, a lazy adopter. I think that's probably a better term. Um this Web pr- wallets are something we saw in the Bitcoin space way more in the beginning. Yes. Like there, there's been a dearth of them. We haven't seen them recently. Like it's pretty much just all been mobile wallets, right? So it's kind of cool to see a new one. What would Jewel be the last one? 
that I, I can remember. I guess, but it's not really. It was like a web interface, right? Because the wallet wasn't on the web. It was connected to your node. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, so go check it out. This is pretty cool, too. I'm actually pretty pumped. I might try and like make it so we use these products. This product, particularly Woleet, um, which is a DocuSign competitor that uses Bitcoin, I guess, to hash signatures onto legal documents. Um, so if you if you if you use uh, DocuSign, it's basically a similar product to that. And um, the gentleman who's CEO, is it Giles? Is that his name? Gies Gies. Carillon. I know he's French, so I'm probably butchering your name, Guiz. Uh, but shout out to Guiz and team for uh, launching Woleet, Woleet.io. That's another one. It's on Product Hunt right now. So if you want to support a Bitcoiner uh, and somebody building on Bitcoin, you go to Product Hunt and upvote that. Right now it's currently uh, number 654 on Product Hunt. I love the concept. As someone who uses DocuSign all the time, which I presume you do as well, Marty, um, you know, the main, the bullish case for DocuSign and the main negative of DocuSign is that you're completely locked into their ecosystem. Like the, like the coolest part of DocuSign is, you know, you open up DocuSign, you see every single document your organization has sent out and gotten signed and every document you signed, it's all there. It's all, it's got, got the proofs that you need to bring into court. To, to use it in court if, if you have a legal dispute, and it's all there. The cool thing about Walit, uh is that it's it's an open standard. It's, it uses the Bitcoin chain, which we think is going to be there forever, to, to basically hash this proof in that, that the document has been signed. And it uses public key, private key cryptography to prove that it was signed by a specific person. Um, that is the ideal. I think that's the future we strive for. I think that's what we will see ultimately, inevitably. But it's going to take some time, and it's going to be uh, all the power to them. I wish them the best of luck, but it's going to be hard to monetize because it is a game of moats. And DocuSign's moat is very strong. And even if we'll lead is successful, uh, the beauty of it is that it's open. So it's like, how do you keep them like on like using Wolit instead of signing it with public key? You know, a private key separately, right? Like, uh, and and hashing it into the chain. Yeah. So it should be interesting to see play out, but I respect the, the fuck out of it. And I, I've been hoping to see a product like this for a while. So it's good to see. If anybody on the Wolu team is listening and wants to reach out, we'd love to have you on the podcast to talk about the product. It's a very interesting one. Um, 100%. Same with CoinOS. Uh, Galaxy OS was released. Uh, I have not, I, I had to opine ignorance here i've not uh, been up to date with this what's going on here okay so katan our boy katan red pilled me here um as the freaks know i've been kind of a graphene maximalist lately uh calyx is i guess it's a first of all it's a foundation with a membership model which is pretty cool so it's a membership model you pay them like a hundred dollars two hundred dollars a year and you become a member of the Institute, and they're a privacy-focused organization. Um, the founder got, like, completely fucked by the Patriot Act, and he's, like, made it his mission for more privacy. Um, so now they have, and one of the cool things they have is, like, if you pay them, like, $300 a year as part of the membership, you get, like, a 4G hotspot, a privacy-focused 4G hotspot. 
um, with unlimited data, which I think is like, that's pretty cool. I think it's just a cool membership model concept. Um, so now they release their own Android OS. And basically it sits in between like graphene and regular Android. Uh, so it's not as hardcore. Like one of the issues with graphene is that anything that uses Google services, you can't use. Um, specifically, the big one that I've talked about a lot is the camera because uh, Pixel cameras, Google phone cameras, they use a lot of software to, to make the pictures look better. And if you don't have run Google services, you don't get that. So on graphene, your camera is always worse. Your photo quality is always worse. It's, it's workable, it's usable, but it's always worse. Um, the other big ones are like Uber and Lyft. You can't use if you don't have Google services, like the banking apps. So Calyx has the option to use something called MicroG, which is like an open source version of the Google services to basically trick these apps into allowing you to use them. So you could like, oh, Gmail's another one. You can't use Gmail on graphene. I'm using the, the Chrome app like the web app for Gmail, which fucking gets the job done, but it fucking blows, let's be honest. Um, it's frustrating. So it's in between. Graphene is way more privacy and hardened. Um, Calyx is a huge improvement over stock, but you're not like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So, and, and they do have 4A support, which Graphene doesn't yet. And I do have a 4A here. So I have, I have Graphene on my 3A. Uh, the 4A is the newer Pixel, so I'm going to install Calyx on my 4A, which Katana's already done, by the way, because he's just a crazy person and just, you know, installs new, S new OSs on his, on his daily driver. He did it on his 3A, but he just fucking flashed it right away, and he's loving it. So I'm going to do it on my 4A. I'm going to report back. Maybe we'll get you a guide. Uh, but in general, it's just good to see... Um, oh, and the other thing is there was one, there was one other OS called Lineage, uh, that sat in the same middle ground, but it didn't have this secure boot on the Pixel devices. And Calyx figured that out, which is a big thing, which is the physical security. Uh, if, if if someone gets your device, if they want to install new software on it to try and take your shit, it needs to be it needs to auto wipe, and that's what Secure Boot does. If you if you try and install new software on it, it it auto wipes if a malicious actor tries to do that. So so. It's a big step up in terms of physical security versus the existing alternative that gave you micro-G. I don't know if the freaks understood. Did you understand what I just said, Marty? Yes. Kind of? I'm picking up what you were putting down. Okay, good. Okay, good. So I probably explained it decently. Yes. Um, rolling on here, Nadav Cohen from Short Bits put out a beautiful uh, Taproot explainer. Uh, the Taproot upgrade goes through... Um, a bunch of things that would be included with tap, tap root, how uh, they affect the protocol and, and the types of things that you'll be able to do it, uh, do with it, excuse me. So uh, we're going to link to that. Go check it out. Uh, HCPP is this weekend. So this is a, um, a famous hackers uh, conference, Hackers Congress, uh, Polis is what it's called. Uh <laughs> It starts tomorrow, I believe, and goes through Saturday and Sunday. There's going to be a bunch of uh, Bitcoiners. It's in, it's in Prague. There's going to be a bunch of, I thought it was digital, remote. Well, so it's historically in Prague. Have you ever been to Prague, Marty? I have not. I have uh, hopes of getting there one day. Here, Prague is a fucking dope-ass city. Yeah. I fucking love it. I was supposed to go to HCPP this year, but Corona, you know, whatever. Um, so this year they're doing half virtual, half meat space. 
and the virtual aspect is completely separate. So there's a free virtual aspect that has nothing to do with the, well, nothing. It's a completely different, it's 58 hours of live stream that's completely different from the, the in-person event. Then you can buy a virtual ticket instead of the free, which you get a virtual view into the in-person event. But they're, they're having both, a virtual event and an in-person. It's a combination. Hell yeah. Um, so check that out. This weekend, if you're bored, laying in your bed, looking for something to stream, this will be something interesting uh, to pay attention to. Moving on, Ministry of Nodes. We are just talking about Catan and Stefan uh, a couple segments ago. Uh, they also believe that Spectre is fire, so they have uh, released a, a blog post uh, explaining why they believe that. Basically, Spectre is a very cost-effective uh, way to use Bitcoin with a hardware wallet and uh, uh, to develop your to develop your own hardware wallet and, and node essentially, um, so they have a, an extensive blog on that. We are obviously going to link to that, and you can intro the last two topics because I'm starting to uh, have my mouth go dry. I need to sip on some water here. Marty's fading. It's because of sober October. Um, first of all, Spectre. I fucking love Spectre. I think. Fucking massive game changer. Um, and I should have a guide up on TFTC guides when I'm in between my road trips. So I, I should have that up. That's going to be the next guide. Um, so we have two things. Uh, first, let's start with the plan B docs. Um, so both of these are Twitter focused, uh, Bitcoin Twitter focused, and they kind of leaked into mainstream a little bit. Um, the plan B doc situation between him and Clory Clipston. You might've pronounced his last name wrong. Uh, CEO and founder of Swan. Um, Corey mentioned his alleged graduation age, graduation year, um, in an apparent attempt to discredit him. Um, this is clearly a, doxing situation where you're you're giving out private information of someone's um someone who's who's clearly attempting to maintain privacy using a nim which should always be respected uh, so i mean i think that is just it's it's wrong you, you should not do that you should respect nims you should as i said earlier in this episode you should debate ideas not people um here at tftc we're very clear on that aspect um i think even if you're a public person as we are, um, specific private things that we have not divulged ourselves that might have been divulged in private conversations or through people meeting us for a beer or something should also not be divulged. You should try and respect people's privacy in general. On a positive note, Corey has come out and said he was wrong about that. And I think uh, that's, that's extremely good to see, right? Like that, that's, that's exactly what you want to see. Um, there have been some accusations that he uses position at Swan to have that private information. Plan B is not a customer of Swan. Um, Plan B, from his own admission, lives in Europe, and Swan is U.S. only. Um, so th those are the facts. That's my opinion. You should not, you know, you should respect people's privacy. Marty, do you have any comments here? I just thought the story was complete noise. I really don't care. It was noise, but Twitter freaked out about it, and... Um, we hold ourselves here at TFTC to higher standards. So sometimes we talk about things 
that we would prefer just to not even bring up, but we bring up because we hold ourselves to those higher standards and they should be at least acknowledged. And I, I, I take a lot of pride in that fact. Um, and that goes back to those earlier shout outs. Yeah. On the next topic, <laughs> yeah, the like, topic <laughs> that I very much enjoyed, which is why I wanted to close on this topic. Um, apparently, uh, the Bitcoin community that I always am upset with for lacking nuance decided that the one person I hate most in this space, they were going to have some nuance for and have been giving Brian Armstrong credit for being so-called woke for his blog posts about not wanting politics at his company after selling surveillance software to the fucking DEA that was sourced from hacking team, which has tons of human rights abuses. So, um, I will let you lead with this, Marty. Let me say that the irony of, uh, saying we like to talk about ideas and not people and transitioning <laughs> to this topic is not, <laughs> is not lost on me, but, uh, uh it was lost. On me <laughs> I, I appreciate you putting me in my space, putting me in my place. Stay humble, yeah. Matt. Uh, no, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's pretty well known. I've called Brian Armstrong a naked mole rat and talked about his person uh, personally uh, many times on this podcast. But I'm one of the I'm uh, I'm in the crowd. It's like, yo, got to give props where props are due. I thought this was. No. I mean, I don't think I still do not recommend Coinbase as a uh, as a service. And I would not buy Bitcoin from them, considering the facts that you just laid out, particularly around the hacking team. But I think it's an important time, especially in America, to to uh, try to rid businesses, corporations, companies that are trying to build specific products of the political discourse that is, uh, frankly, holding back America at the moment. It's confusing a lot of people and it's distracting and, and not productive. I guess that's what I'll say at the end of the day. Uh, I thought it was something that goes against the grain Silicon Valley just uh, uh, historically frowned upon. Um, yeah, but with that being said, I'd, I'm not going to be just, just, uh, no fuck him. Revamping. He's full of shit. He's full of shit, Marty. It was a PR bullshit blog post that is it backfired. It backfired no, though. It didn't backfire. He also offered an exit package. Any employee that disagrees, a very, a very nice exit package. I might say myself. Uh, to, to any employee that wants to leave based on his statement. So, by the way, people gave me shit about attacking Coinbase employees over this, you know, selling surveillance software to government agencies while pretending they were for open finance, so-called open finance. Um, those employees now have a very lucrative exit package they can take. So you have no excuse, Coinbase employees. If you disagree with his policies, you can leave. And, and as I said earlier, even without this exit package, you can pretty much go to any company in the space you want to go to. Like you're, you're a very valued employee base over at Coinbase, you know, the Coinbase, so, the so-called Coinbase mafia over there. Um, so, so you have no excuse if you stay there and you support this, this organization. The second thing I would say is I made a very active attempt to, to seek out the employees of Coinbase when I saw Coinbase acting unethically, okay? And now he has open revolt in his company. So if he wants to fucking... He, 
Brian Armstrong is the king of virtue signaling, okay? He virtue signaled, virtue signaled about Black Lives Matter and then sold surveillance software to the DEA. Then he got shit on about it, so now he's virtue signaling about being woke. That is what's happening here. And people are falling for it hook, line, and sinker. All right. And they, I like and this they, they shouldn't fucking fall for it. I'm and like I, it. I, am, I love that Silicon Valley, the employees, and the investors are fucking eating him alive because, you know, we got to take what we can take. And, and uh, you know, we, 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 you, you, can't just, you can't just stop the war midway through. Yeah. You, you got to fucking continue, guys. I like that take. Pile on. And I, I guess I just have this internal struggle because I have very strong disdain for Silicon Valley culture and the virtue signaling and perceived moral superiority that a lot of the assholes out in San Francisco uh, in, the, in the Valley claim to have over the rest of America. Um, and so to see anybody, even Brian Armstrong, sort of throw a punch at that culture does interest me a little bit, but you do make good points. Maybe it was a political move uh, and not with earnest intent behind it. But did you see Dick Costello's response to this? Oh, yeah. I mean, he could go fuck himself. Yeah. It's a former CEO. I didn't Twitter. even know who he was. I didn't did know he was know a former was? CEO. I thought he was like a, a producer based on his banner photo. I thought he was like the producer of uh, Silicon Valley, the HBO show. Me too. That's all I knew, too, <laughs> banner photo. I saw the banner photo. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so ex-CEO of Twitter uh, in a thread with uh, Jason Calacanis and... Parker something. The dude, he hates Just Bitcoin. Like original Twitter Parker. who has like PT at PT or whatever. Yeah. And he hates Bitcoin. He's actually historically like shit on Bitcoin. Yeah. He hates Bitcoin because people got in early yet. He has like the most dope Twitter handle because he got in early. So I yeah. just, my, my famous argument was that we should take away his Twitter handle. Yeah. Well, anyway, I got to the point where Dick Costello, former CEO of Twitter, uh, really took his mask off and said, uh, me first capitalist, I can't wait until me first capitalists are lined up against the wall and shot. I'll, I'll be happy to record uh, a video of it when it happens during the revolution, during, during the revolution. So very, very strong communist speak there. Uh, No surprise. Blue check Mark, former CEO of Twitter, uh, basically advocating for the murder of capitalists via communist, uh, not banned from Twitter yet. I reported the tweet. I recommend that you freaks go find the tweet and report it as well. Even though this asshole was the CEO of Twitter for a few years, uh, Twitter has been banning conservatives for far, uh, far less uh, egregious threats. And None, no one should get banned. Yeah, no one should get banned. But if you're gonna, the ban- irony here is the irony here is we're offended by it, and this guy's worth like three hundred million dollars. He's worth a hundred x what we're worth on a good day, you know, it's like fucking ridiculous. Like he's the capitalist, you know, in that situation, but he, he thinks that that's not going to be the case. Yeah. Dick is like fucking New- ridiculous. Dick newsflash. They're coming for you first, asshole. <laughs> like you, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be, they're not, they don't stop. Uh, they, just because you're trying to side with the, the woke communists of the world, uh, they're going to use you as a pawn to get what they want, and they're gonna blow your fucking brains out uh, first chance they get. So, what, see, is that all right that we said that now? I don't think that's all right. Right? We shouldn't. I didn't say I, I want know. that to happen. I didn't say I want right, that right. to happen. He, I said, he said that, he wanted it to happen. Yes, this is this is how the communist uh, takeovers happen. Uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. I'm I don't. I want. Wait, wait, wait. I want to make it clear. I don't want that to happen to you, Dick Costello. I hope 
you enjoy the profits you made off your capitalist endeavors and you live a happy life. Uh, you think uh, Dick's a freak? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, but this is what I'm talking about, right? Like, I don't, I don't want cancel culture. Um, I think it's unproductive. I think it's um, short-sighted. I think the focus is in the wrong place. Um, but if it leads, like, it's going to happen regardless. It is happening regardless. We are suffering from it regardless, right? We see it happening every day. If Brian Armstrong, enemy of the people, is getting gutted by his Silicon Valley allies and his ETH allies, this is not the time for us to defend Brian Armstrong. This is the time for us to pile on and take the benefit that we get out of all this bullshit. The single little benefit we get, you fucking take it. And I want to go farther than this. Like, I think, I think Google... And their corporate surveillance is fucking racist. I think Facebook and their corporate surveillance is racist. I think all corporate surveillance is inherently racist. Let's just go. Let's just fucking go for it. You know, if, if it's going to happen anyway, we might as well use this tool to our advantage. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, it is. It is inherently racist. It, the whole idea, the whole concept of it is to catalog, catalog people and buy and sell them. And, and put them into different things and, and sell them based on their identif- identity, so-called identity that they're, they're basing them on. So if they want to do that, then we're going to fucking play ball. The data slave trade. We're all a part of it. I didn't want to say that, but yes, it is the data slave trade. We, uh, our data's being, yeah, we don't own that shit. These corporations do. We got to run, though. I got dinner soon. It's been a great rip. Matt, what do you want to end it on? Stay humble, stack sats. Love you all. Peace and love.